0: This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to The Waiting Room on Podcast225.com.
1: Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to The Waiting Room. My name is Katie Fetzer, and with me I have my partner, Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, and together we own The Wellness Studio, which is a mental health counseling private practice with locations in Baton Rouge and in Covington. And the waiting room came about when Dr. Roderick and I were sitting around in our waiting room on our downtime when clients weren't around. Um, And it seemed to be that we would often have conversations surrounding mental health and how we can kind of do things um, within our power to destigmatize mental health and to really educate people about what mental health is and isn't. So the waiting room came about. And is kind of your opportunity to to be able to gain insight on how we apply psychology to everything from pop culture and current events to relationships and social issues. Um, All of our episodes are comprised of myself and Dr. Rodriguez, And also we will have expert panelists from time to time for depending on the topic and also members of our community. So we would really hope that you would tune in with us and you can also even leave a rating or review and even suggest a topic for us to discuss. Um, you can find us on iTunes and also It's iTunes slash The Waiting Room and then also podcast225.com. Today for the topic, we're going to be talking a little bit about social anxiety and what that is and um, how it impacts individuals and also um, the people that are close to the individuals with social anxiety. Um, And a brief disclaimer about the waiting room before we get started. The contents of our show, we do not want to be mistaken for psychotherapy or for counseling. Um, It's not intended to replace or serve as a substitute for mental health services. So if you are interested in finding a mental health professional, you can call our office at 225 448 3359, but you can also call your local hospital or your insurance panel um, or your general practitioner. We are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to talk about social anxiety.
0: The Capital Area Law Enforcement Foundation is hosting a fundraiser on Sunday, August 27th in Perkins Row called A Blue Night Out. The event starts at 6 p.m. and is open to the public. It will feature live music and will honor the law enforcement agencies of the Capital Region. Calif is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has purchased protection. Gear for several law enforcement agencies in South Louisiana. Save the date and make sure you attend A Blue Night Out on Sunday, August 27th at 6 p.m. in Perkins Row. Welcome back, back to The Waiting Room.
2: Welcome back to The Waiting Room. My name is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, along with my co-host, Katie Fetzer. Um, in today's episode of The Waiting Room, we're going to be talking about social anxiety. This is something um, I know I can speak for myself, is uh, I work a lot with um, individuals who uh, struggle with variations of um, mild to moderate and severe social anxiety. So um, I think this would be a, a good topic, and hopefully that you listening can um, get some some good resources and, and maybe even that of a loved one that, you know, that also struggles with social anxiety. So Katie, um, I guess just to kind of start, let's give an overview or a brief description of mm-hmm. what social anxiety is and is not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that would be a great place to start. Um, I think first too, even defining just anxiety without the word social in front of it, because a lot of times people hear the word social anxiety and automatically assume it means just in social settings um, when it's not technically not exactly what it means. And anxiety by itself is what we would consider a fear-based disorder or a... um, whenever you have a fear is what we consider to be irrational and that irrational fear mindset kinds kind of tends to take on a life of its own. Um, but a social anxiety is specifically applied to a fear of being ridiculed or judged by the Mm -hmm. others around you. So it could be just with one person, one-on-one, right. Or it could be in a social setting. It doesn't necessarily have to be always in social environments, but it's that the, the, Telltale sign, I should say, is if the fear manifests as you're worrying about what other people um, are thinking about you, or um, there's like a fear or ridicule of being embarrassed. Right, um, right. How, how else would you describe it?
2: Yeah. You know, often people say that when they're in a social situation, like Katie said, it could be a one-on-one conversation with someone or it can be a room full of people. Um, they fear that they, they have that fear of being judged or evaluated and that everything that's coming out of their mouth could potentially be criticized. So when they're even in conversation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I often find they're thinking 10 steps ahead sure. because they're so sure. concerned and worried about how it's going to be perceived mm-hmm. and that they can't be very present in the moment. So the conversation, conversation i think can feel awkward because they're not present and the other person they're having conversation with may have you know um maybe picking up on that and may seem confused Mm -hmm. but the person that is struggling with the social anxiety takes that as judgment or Mm -hmm. or ridicule and before you go diagnosing yourself yes (laughs) um i think it's worth mentioning
1: um anxiety, just like anything else, um, it's all things in moderation. So anxiety is going to exist in everybody. And it's either too high, too low, or within what we would call a normal um, clinical range. And so whenever it's too high, um, it can be, you know, a little bit more severe and it can actually restrict someone's um, ability to be able to function in social settings completely, or even their work environments. But some people might just have milder social sure. anxiety that sure. we would consider to be very normal so an example would be if you know you're about to give a huge presentation in front of a class or even for work um, it's normal to feel a little bit nervous a little bit anxious right a little like bit, the butterflies that people, sure. yeah describe and, it as yeah and that's that would be more milder anxiety that we would consider to be um okay but whenever that anxiety or the social anxiety starts to Um, occur at a level to where it's impairing your ability to function, meaning you literally can't leave the bathroom and just, you know, your whole performance gets canceled because you just couldn't Mm -hmm. stand to present your work and it happens on a regular basis. That's when the social anxiety is something that really, is worth looking at and treating sure, sure. Um, and getting help for. And
2: many people, I mean, from, from all kinds of walks of life struggle with this. You see, um, just whether it's like, you, like Katie mentioned in a, in a classroom setting, somebody kind of nervous before going to give a presentation to major performers that get what they call mm-hmm. stage fright. Um, it's something that everybody, um, probably can relate to, but from time to time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think like Katie mentioned, it's, it's on this spectrum of how is it, um, is it, uh, you know, it, it, interfering with your life if it's causing you to avoid social situations if it's starting to bring on some depressive symptoms this is how Mm -hmm. yeah this is how um this these are key factors that you're going to want to seek um some professional assistance as to how to overcome because there's also and we'll talk about this in a little bit but there's there's a lot of coping skills that um That can help with social anxiety, and if working with a counselor one-on-one, I think is a great place to start. If some of the symptoms that we're mentioning you find are coming up for you more frequently too,
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely. And that is a good segue into how social anxiety is treated and the best way to treat it. Um, Of course, the podcast that we are on right now is is not again not meant to be a substitute. So we are basically here to educate and inform and hopefully to be able to get you to the place you need to be in case you are one that's struggling with social anxiety or you know someone that is. Um, but just to kind of highlight what the the main treatment modalities are to treat social anxiety, counseling, like Dr. Rodriguez just mentioned, is probably, I would say, one of the number one most mm-hmm. effective. But when it's very severe, medication is usually indicated when it's impairing your functioning in so many areas of your life that you Maybe you can't even leave the house anymore. Right. Um, right. You fear going to the grocery store.
2: And and one thing too about medication, I often hear um, when people that are are working on their anxiety, they're very if if you're if you or you know someone they're very hesitant with medication. I always say, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. So if your friend takes medication, it works for them, or you've heard of people that have to be on it their whole life. That's that's their experiences with right. it. You right. have to talk with your with your healthcare provider yeah, because absolutely. everybody's going to have a different treatment plan. So mm-hmm. um, don't let the word medication. Uh, you or you. don't think it's the the, the perfect fit mm-hmm. for you it's about talking to your medical sure. provider and um, having that conversation right. and also don't try
1: to diagnose yourself yeah. <laughs> um, it's very easy to do that yeah. um, and we want you to be able to talk this out with a, a health professional before you jump to those conclusions but you know social anxiety if it's not treated it actually can develop or worsen um, as time goes on mm-hmm. and that is because the anxiety it doesn't get treated or doesn't address so it continues to manifest in different ways and what can happen is it leads to so much avoidance Mm -hmm. on behalf of the person that the person is avoiding things that would or would make someone's life be fulfilled so uh, maybe is avoiding going to church Mm -hmm. because they are fearing ridicule as they're sitting in church, right. Um, so if you start seeing those sort of things happen, or you know someone that that's happening to uh, a mental health professional, is a great place to start to be able to address these issues, right? Um, now, of course, this is going to look differently in kids that it is that it than it is in adults. What would you say the big um, differences are between recognizing it in a child. And yeah, I think,
2: I think the, the way that, that children respond to anxiety and the way that adults do is, is very different. Um, and oftentimes parents aren't really sure what's the difference. Um, so if you have a child that um, all of a sudden you see a, a change in behavior that um, is, is pretty, Not necessarily drastic, but very sudden. You have a child that was very outgoing and all of a sudden is very reserved and shy. Um, If you have uh, children that complain that their stomach hurts um, and you've brought them to their pediatrician or their GI and they're ruling out anything medical, um, if they are, if you notice like the time of day that they're getting very anxious, if it's on the way to school or Mm -hmm. um, on the way to any form of social thing like a birthday party or a swim practice, um, Mm -hmm. and they're not really sure how to identify the feeling that they're having or the symptoms that they're having. So they might get very irritable or or seem very defiant or oppositional all of a sudden, but really it's just their response to a feeling of anxiety that they're not sure Mm -hmm. how to communicate. I think also they might tend to withdraw
1: a lot more Mm -hmm. from friends or from any sort of social setting, Um, which, you know, I will say some kids just truly are you know, an introvert at heart, you know, everybody's and we are going to talk about that in in an episode coming down the line, which is personality and temperament. But so it it is okay for some children to just be more to themselves. That's never a bad thing. Everybody's different. Right. But when we're talking about social anxiety, that is something that we, it's it's when the person is in distress. So it's hidden maybe from the outside, it Mm -hmm. looks invisible, like Dr. Roderick said, they might just complain of a stomachache. Right. Um, so the anxiety is hidden. But the, the point is, is that they're having anxiety that's not um, feeling good for them inside. Right. And so that's why it's a problem. It's different than what we would describe as someone that's just an introvert at heart. They maybe enjoy just reading a book by themselves. Right. They may just prefer to be in the company of one or two people or family as opposed to a large group. Um, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the times you'll see this kind of stuff come out in school for kids because they're at the age where they're growing and developing. Mm -hmm. And so you'll start to kind of see some of these things come out as they interact with other peers. Um, But, you know, even though we're not wanting you to be quick to diagnose this issue, we also don't want you to ignore it. So that's why it's so important that you talk to a yeah. health professional.
2: Yeah, and and I think that also too, um, especially with extracurriculars, when parents wanna have their kids on team sports or in a big, mm-hmm. like in some form of extracurricular that does involve groups and they notice that their child is withdrawing or very resistant wanting to go to the practices or something like that, that's also a good time to speak with a mental health professional because um, it's just about evaluating what type of setting that your child is going to respond to mm-hmm. best. So that doesn't mean that they can't play sports, but they may just need a sport. That's much more of a self-competition, like swimming Mm -hmm. or cross-country or something like that. Mm -hmm. But again, like Katie said, if you're, if you're working with a therapist, they're going to be able to use some techniques, um, and some evidence-based practices to understand, how your child is responding to certain social situations and how to help them cope with it as opposed to just running away from anything that triggers them. Mm -hmm. It's how they work through it and be able to use a skill set that they can put um, Mm -hmm. to use as adults as well.
1: Or even learn to, quote, face their fear, you know, in a way that you're you're helping them learn to become more social as Mm -hmm. opposed to just dealing with it. They can actually learn to become more, more social. right? And it can actually, that's the cool thing is that, social anxiety is something they can actually work through right um and is treatable right so to speak um of course in adults it looks very different i would say um i would like, would like to start with a myth i hear this all the time and as a mental health professional i'm always wanting to quickly um correct it but the word antisocial or antisocial oh, yeah. is a word that uh, a lot of people will use to describe someone that is not social or that has social anxiety when technically antisocial is a word we use to describe a sociopath. So <laughs> it's quite different. Uh, we'd like to make that differentiation right. because, um, to be antisocial technically means you have a sociopathic disorder or you're a psychopath. Um, and we want to make sure that there's, there's a definitely a difference. Yes. So social anxiety, whenever social anxiety manifests in adult, um, yeah. Sadly, you'll you know, and sadly, you'll hear a lot of people to describe them as a recluse, um, yeah. and but that's really technically what's happening. They end up, rec- you know, yeah. kind of reclusing to themselves and, and
2: completely avoiding
1: right. any and all social mm-hmm. settings to where it does imp- affect their
2: life. I hear it. Yeah, it's more like they always sell out. We're going to stop inviting them. And that's I think if you're noticing a pattern with friends or families, um, again, don't diagnose them, but mm-hmm. you know, just encourage them to talk to somebody about it because if there's, you know, obviously there's normal life situations that come up and conflict with other plans but if you notice a pattern with someone where Mm -hmm. you feel like they make the plans but then they either don't show up or cancel at the last minute it could be leading to some, you know, yeah, social anxiety. Absolutely. And so, again, try not to diagnose your friends, but to mm-hmm. maybe encourage them to talk to somebody about it if you see this yeah, pattern.
1: Absolutely. And another thing you'll see, which technically I guess you could see this in um, children as well, but something is that Dr. Rodriguez mentioned is the somatic complaints. So a lot of times as adults you'll get a diagnosis of IBS, mm-hmm. irritable bowel syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a lot of physical ways that the, the social anxiety can manifest. And you'll notice that in adults as well, they... Um, they present and just complain sometimes of having a lot of anxiety whenever they're having to do things like talk in front of people or respond to in a large group of people to something yeah um in social interactions or even at restaurants and such and you can just kind of sometimes sense the discomfort surrounding those types of settings
2: yeah and i have to just to piggyback off that i've had great experiences working with gi doctors gastrointestinal doctors mm-hmm. that understand anxiety they don't try to treat it because that's not their wheelhouse but they do understand the, how anxiety can affect you physically and so they um they do like to work with mental health professionals to to help you so if, if you're having one of those symptoms and you're seeing your GI and they mm-hmm. mentioned maybe counseling or just anxiety that, you know, it's, a, it's definitely across the board, um, well-received on the medical side and the mental health side as something that's a truly, um, it could be truly debilitating.
1: Mm-hmm. And so there's no
2: shame, you know, you should not be ashamed at all if this is something that you're suffering with because mm-hmm. many, many people do, um, but have seen great results with, right. With and counseling. it's also important to
1: note that too, because if you do have, if you are one that's having, um, the physical manifestations of, of anxiety. If you're only treating the physical by going to a GI doctor and only trying to treat, um, it with maybe a medication or something for your stomach that it's important to know that that's not going to get rid of the anxiety. Yeah, And so yeah. a lot of the times it, it just really kind of masks the symptoms for a short while, but it's actually still going on. So that's why it's so important for you to also seek help from a mental health professional in addition to right. a GI doctor right? And an, in that situation. Yeah.
2: And another symptom and I think we should probably touch on this as well, because I think this also has, um, is on a spectrum and people, um, often, you know, throw out the word panic attack a lot. And mm-hmm. so to really, you know, define what a panic attack is. And, um, and if you're feeling those symptoms again, to seek professional help, because that is something again, that's common with anxiety, um, but if that is, it's definitely an indicator of the level of anxiety you are experiencing and how frequently you're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So panic attacks can range from just shortness of breath, racing heart, feeling um, out of control, um, feeling almost like claustrophobic all of a sudden mm-hmm. to um, something much more severe, which are called pseudo seizures, which actually are panic attacks that can mimic um, seizure-like symptoms. Again, if you're feeling or experiencing any of this, contact your medical professional um, to, to, be able to get some help. But, um, panic attacks are an indicator that your anxiety is really at a place where you do need some assistance and working through some of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes people
1: can have, um, what they call cued panic attacks and uncued, And that means that sometimes they can literally happen out of the blue and mm-hmm. have no anxiety surrounding them, which can be really confusing for people because yeah. they aren't sure, you know, the anxiety is not attached to it and the panic kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, and of course, Panic, that surge of panic that you feel, it is not mistakable. I mean, you you might mistake it for something else, but you know that you're having it. It's something that is so, so challenging to experience that um you're not gonna you're not gonna miss it. You're gonna know right away that you need to get some form of help. You just may not know what it is. Right. Um so we of course always encourage you to go to a medical doctor of course to rule out any other physical things because sometimes physical um, issues uh, or other medical conditions I should say can actually trigger panic attacks mm-hmm. so um, it's definitely important to to seek help for that but panic attacks are definitely something that's also very treatable with meditation psychotherapy um, there's different cognitive tools or tools that you can use mentally on your own that can help you to bring down those panic attacks and work through them so that way they happen less and less frequently-hmm um, but these are all things that we would encourage you to
2: seek help from a mental health professional right and and you hadn't said the word residual um, in reference with panic attacks but also just anxiety in general a lot of people are often um, baffled sometimes when they feel extremely anxious and they're like but I'm at home laying in my bed watching TV I don't know what um, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm, I'm having these same feelings that I had. You know, last weekend when I was doing something in a more social setting, um, anxiety doesn't always have, you know, the time frame in which we, we think it will. And so it's if you're finding that you're having anxiety, um, but you're not right there smack in the middle of whatever stimulates your anxiety doesn't mean that that's not anxiety. So, again, something to talk about and work through in mm-hmm. counseling because anxiety often can be residual. Yes, Absolutely.
1: Well, thank you for joining in on our episode of The Waiting Room. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back shortly to close out.
0: Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Hosting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. Brian, when you talk about helping someone with their financial future, there may be people out there who are hesitant because They don't know if they're going to understand what you were trying to get across to them. It's really not that complicated. It's not that complicated. Not everybody's an engineer. Sure. Not everybody understands the process. Right. Unfortunately, no matter what level you are on, uh, doctors, attorneys, they don't know any either. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, The point being is, let's get you in, sit down with you, ask you some values-based questions. Yes. What's most important to you with your money? Right. Do you want to die broke? I mm-hmm. mean, spend your last dollar on your last day? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to leave a legacy to your family? I mean, that's, that's we can control this stuff, right? right? So uh, once you understand your purpose with your money, this is purpose driven, a process. Mm-hmm. If you're analytical, this gets you through the analytical process. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how to talk to you. If you're big picture, let's talk big picture. How does it make you feel? Pick up the phone, give me a call. Let's talk about your values and your purpose with your money. 20 years of serving customers, BrianLowFinancial.com. Welcome back Back to The Waiting Room.
2: Welcome back to The Waiting Room. My name is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodriguez, and along with Katie Fetzer, we uh, have enjoyed uh, talking to you today about the topic of social anxiety. We hope that you gain some insight, uh, whether it's you are struggling with some of these symptoms or if you know someone that is. Um, again, The Waiting Room is not meant to replace mental health therapy, but if you are interested in counseling, you can visit our website, which is www.surprisinglywell.com. You can contact your insurance provider for um, specialist or mental health professionals in your area um, or call your local hospital. You can find us on iTunes slash The Waiting Room or podcast225.com and we'll be back soon with another episode of The Waiting Room.
0: Thanks for listening to The Waiting Room. This has been a podcast 225.com production.